Well, good morning and welcome to Circularity 22. Um, this is a rare episode of multi Universe in which we're actually doing it live at an event. Um, but today we're joined by Sikbira Lakhani of, and I can actually probably let you introduce yourself and what you do for Reaply. Sure. I'm the director of product, joined almost two years ago. Uh, and that's all. Excellent. And then Shannon Goodman, I'll probably let you introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Shannon Goodman. I'm the executive director of Lifecycle Building Center. Excellent. Um, so we actually had some f fun thing to put together for Circularity 22. We got to do a joint uh, booth um, in which we got to sort of showcase what Reaply's focusing on from a software perspective, how we're looking at reuse, but we got to highlight a local amazing uh, facility called the Lifecycle Building Center. Could you share a little bit more about what you all do? Sure. Um, and then we can talk a little bit more, more about what we brought to the booth and then how that sort of plays into reuse. Absolutely. Uh, so Lifecycle Building Center is a nonprofit that captures building materials to prevent them from being discarded unnecessarily. And we have a lot of community impact in terms of giving those materials away to nonprofits and then serving a lot of residents in under-resourced communities near our facility by giving them access to those materials at the lowest possible cost we can. Yes, love that. I don't want to mess up any technical terms that were going into the items that we had on display, but can you do that from memory of what we had there? Which sure. was, it was some sort of very cool chandelier, but I don't know if it's yeah. a chandelier. I can't remember the technical term yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, a pendant. A pendant. See, I knew <laughs> there was, a yes, picture. a pendant. Yeah. Um, from a church from the early 1900s, okay. a, a really cool Baptist church we were a part of um, with one of our partners um, over in West Midtown, and we were able to recover a lot of materials that were repurposed uh, in an exciting project on Georgia Tech's campus called the Candida Building for Innovative Sustainable Design. Whoa, um, but yes. that was one of the materials. It didn't go in the Candida project, <laughs> yes. um, but it's living on now um, in this scene as well as in other people's projects, businesses, uh, homes, etc. And then tell me about also the unique piece we had with, I mean, a fine piece of old wood with some hanging... The bar lights. Bar lights, okay. Yeah, yes. yeah. So that also came out of a project from the early 1900s, um, was also converted into a bar. Okay, yes. <laughs> um, and it's got those really cool, like, you know, light bulb yep. frames. Yes. Um, so yeah, we love that piece because, you know, you've got like really old growth wood in there and, you know, it kind of harkens back to a historical, you know, time and use. Yeah, this is, this is what I loved is sort of how we were able to, frankly, juxtapose a little bit of what reuse means and a lot of the things that we might see coming out of great projects that you were working on and a lot of the subjects here today which don't necessarily focus on those type of uh, premium high value objects could be used in anything from a residential sort of remodel or even commercial if someone's creative enough sure but what does it actually take i mean because we didn't really see a whole lot of operational conversations around what it takes to deconstruct or reclaim what does it go into actually taking those um, types of valuable resources out of a facility that's getting deconstructed? How does that actually happen? What goes into sure. sort of planning that? Yeah, um, well, the biggest question is you have to line up the supply and demand, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so that's one of the biggest um, you know, decision factors. So we are constantly trying to have a clear sense of where are the greatest needs for which types of materials, yes. how can we meet those needs? And then we also have limited resources, so we're always balancing that. Yeah. Um, where do we put our efforts and energy? 
uh, and our time uh, mm. to collect. But we have trained staff that go in and physically, you know, remove the materials. We've been able to do some workforce development job training around deconstruction, uh, which is powerful because folks, especially those that are looking for a living wage career, they can gain so many skills by learning how to take buildings and materials apart. Yep. They can learn how to put buildings together. I want to get more into the more of the operations of that, but I think that's actually, and I'm not trying to make this all about jobs, 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 but like <laughs> it's, I think that is something that maybe is under talked about or under discussed mm -hmm. around how these types of, um, this type of reuse economy could really mean substantial work and training efforts for many different cities across the country. What sort of, how do you guide that conversation, not only locally, but as a part of maybe a bigger organization like Build Reuse? Like how is that sort of a part of the conversation? Yeah, uh, so we actually are working on a program now to expand this. So Build Reuse has developed a training curriculum for deconstruction. And, and actually, I'm, I'm gonna interrupt real quickly because yes. Build Reuse is a part of like a larger initiative to, to get more reuse centers. I, I tend yes. to want to break that down yes. for people. And so it's super cool that y'all are coming together and doing this, but please continue yeah, so that. Build yes. Reuse is just a membership organization of you know nonprofits and for-profits yep. like Lifecycle Building Center all across the United States. And basically they've had you know training and they've had you know expert trainers that they've deployed over the years. But what's exciting now to help communities basically yeah. bring deconstruction um, into their locations. But now what they're working on is taking that training curriculum, first of all, ha having an expansion of certified deconstruction trainers across the country. It used to be just you know a few people interspersed, so we're actually building a program oh, where excellent. folks can actually get certified to do that. And then the training itself, there's components of it that can be administered through an online platform. Excellent. So that's one exciting thing. Oh, that's, so, okay, anyway. that's So that's gonna really, I mean, because probably what that, takes away is there's if I'm speaking out of turn here I think there's there's historically I mean I grew up in essentially a, a life cycle building center my mother was just obsessed with going but what always seemed to me as a kid is it always was sort of ad hoc like there was always and this seems to be really putting structure and actually some cohesion of programs to where it's like it's no longer people can actually start to expect certain outcomes as opposed to probably the stigma again that that might haunt sort of reuse, which is yeah. it's always like, again, ad hoc, catch yes. as catch can. And, and right. it's like this, we need to start building systems that can really do this probably at some certain scales too, Correct. to really sort of reclaim these materials. Yes, I could not agree more. Okay. And that's where we are now as an industry is we are trying to figure out how to scale. So one of the things that's important, we were talking about workforce development. Yeah. So for that to be successful at scale, we, an organization like Lifecycle Building Center, can't be the only entity that sees the value of training individuals in material reclamation and deconstruction, mm -hmm. right? So we have to partner with allied industries, which is what we're doing now in Atlanta through yes. our training pilot. So folks in construction, folks in demolition, folks in C&D recycling. Love that. We need to all work together. And so we've brought together a bunch of partners to take the build reuse curriculum and tailor it as needed for each industry, Excellent. pool our resources, because the training itself 
you have to make sure that those folks that are trained have a guaranteed career pathway once yes. the training is complete. Totally. And it's and again, that's why we rebranded. We used to be the Building Materials Reuse Association for about 20 some years. Mm -hmm. And we became Build Reuse because we have to pull together all of these partners and industries that are associated with the built environment. So yes. architecture, construction, you know, development, real estate, building owners, we have to all work together and Build Reuse is a much more inclusive platform for us to do that. That's great. I, I, that's hitting on something I don't know why I didn't consider, which is not only the supply and demand of the actual materials, but mm -hmm. the people that can actually facilitate the actual reuse. It's um, huge. Yeah. We can't scale without yeah. a trained workforce. There's other aspects of you know physical space, um, you know transportation, et cetera, but the labor is hands down the number one limiter for our industry. But I'm hoping that we're also going to talk a little bit about information flow. Yes, that's a, yes. another limiter. Yes, yes. Okay, we're getting to that point because again, what I loved is we got to again from our, our booth standpoint, our shared experience for this booth, we got to display a lot of these items, which created a different conversation. I think in many people that would stop stopping by and, and wondering, okay, not not only what is Reapley and how does Reapley play into this, right. but what is Lifecycle Building Center? And so that's even the start of the informational flow. Um, well, it was- What I thought, sorry yeah. to Oh, please. But I, I thought it was really cool to see people engage with the items first, because when uh, information flow is so, uh, intangible. It feels, you know, data and like information about things feels like very digital and yes. not touchable. Yes. And people at the booth came and saw these items and there was a story with the item and then they're like connecting the dots of, oh, if I need this thing, how do I find the information about this thing in a digital world and in a not digital world? And then like that, that really makes the dots connect. And it was especially cool because like the items themselves were really old. Yeah. And so like that evoking of value is yeah. much stronger. Curiosity. Yeah. It just yeah, it naturally is. inspires exactly. curiosity. And you've heard me say this before. So imagine going into, you know, like a 70,000 square foot warehouse, which is, you know, yeah. what we have for LVC yeah. and seeing so many examples of that. Yeah. Like that's that same experience at the Reapley booth kind yeah. of, you know, supercharged, yeah. right? Yeah. But what I'm inspired by is the hunger for that information yes. about the history, about the stories. And I truly do believe that there is a connection, whether people are conscious of it or not, to reuse that's like literally part of our DNA. Yes. I feel like that's a natural, you know, drive as the fact that somebody at the conference talked about, you know, we have to make sure that we don't forget that humans are a part of nature, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and you had somebody in your session yesterday, I did. you know, talking about, you know, how much are we valuing, you know, how nature works in the natural world yes, in and these I, processes. I, I got to fumble through my answer on how to incorporate nature, of which I think I did appropriately. It, I, I basically had to be honest and say it's really hard to incorporate nature when it's so much about cost. Um, and so there's yes. always that sort of give and pull in because we often are, are selling. And so when we're selling, we have to be sort of talking about what does this mean from an ROI perspective, costs of, of again, acquiring Reapley as, as a service and then figuring out, all right, what does this mean for an operation? And but nature is what drives us. It's what it fuels us to actually keep working on these systems. Um, it sustains us. It sustains us. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Um, so at this conference, to that point, then, uh, we are a bunch, a bunch, or around a bunch of our peers, um, people that also it sustains them, constantly figuring out solutions. Um, 
I want to say this as tactfully as possible, but what did we like? What did we like hearing? Um, what were we surprised that we heard, either collectively or from a panel? Um, and what do we think, uh, again, here's the tactfulness, what do we think needs to evolve in order to address more changes that need to happen, more maturity in terms of how we see circularity or see reuse? Any, any takes initially on that? Well, I was pleasantly surprised and happy with a conversation around repair. Um, I got to sit in a number of sessions, which, you know, I got to meet the CEO of iFixit, and like there was a number of people like thinking about how do we repair things at scale, especially as the right to repair laws, you know, we see them coming down the pike. So that was like one area that I was excited about. And the other was kind of what you were hinting at before is information about things so that you can make better decisions about them. Yep. And the tools and technology that are starting to become available, watermarking, QR coding, those technologies exist. But the question is then how do you use them also at scale across the life of the asset so that you can make those better decisions? And that still to me feels like an unknown. Yes. So like I was happy with the conversation and I could feel kind of the tension of nobody really knows where this is going <laughs> and that's okay. And so those were my kind of like pluses. I think I avoided the plastics conversation, but it felt like it was like 50% maybe of plastics and packaging, yeah. plastics and packaging. And I think, you know, a lot of people need to be focused on that. So they need to create space for that. But I, I did that in my previous life. So I stayed away. Exactly. You're like, I've seen it. I might, I might know still what's going on in it is we still got problems and we're trying to solve those problems. How about you, Shannon? Uh, so well, I appreciate you bringing up repair. Um, so I feel like that dovetails perfectly with what I was going to highlight, which is the digital product passport section, yes. Yes. Um, because they go hand in hand. Uh, I think that can be revolutionary um, for many industries, including the reuse industry. Uh, and I, I just, I hope that I get to see this happen. And I know you guys are working really yes. hard on this. So I hope I get to see this happen in my lifetime where there really is the ability to, you know, track and trace um, and make those connections and create value around that action. If that yes. makes sense. Yes, right. Like absolutely. that's a pretty I, I was inspired. I think probably, gosh, it must have been almost 15 years ago when I was hearing about what the city of San Francisco was trying to oh, pilot, of course. Uh, you know, to basically have there be some value, have there be responsibility for what happens to materials and products after they're created. Yes. You know, and that was yes. the first time that I had heard of that concept. Uh, and especially on like a, what might be like from a government standpoint or like pushing the boundary of what, what just, was happening. It doesn't stop just yes. because you yeah. made it. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. your responsibility doesn't end. Um, and it's, it is a shared responsibility and we all have to participate in that process and figure out how to make it work successfully together. Um, but we have to continue on that path or, you know, this is all, it's not well, going to work. Yeah. I mean, on that passport type of uh, conversation, what we've got is or, or the, actually the, the, panel that I really enjoyed that was probably the most, um, that got the most questions, had the most energy to it, was the, the, the tracing and tra the tracking and traceability panel, um, which was all about watermarks, QR codes, um, whatever might be uh, adhesed or, or somehow infused embedded. into an item, embedded yes. into an item yes. in which you could start tracking it almost imperceptibly from 
the consumer standpoint where it's like they don't even yes. know that it's there but the players yes. know that it's actually uh you can actually access that that data through uh, various types of tools yeah what i loved though and that actually almost speaks to the uncertainty of um of like what's coming next or the tension of like how does this work is like the amount of hands that were thrown up and questions that were raised about like how do we even get this happening it that was cool to see because i think previously we've seen a lot of people just uh glossing over maybe like the the real intricacies of a system in which it's going to use barcodes and QR codes to track things but I think we're almost getting we're almost getting to like how does this actually get operationalized absolutely yeah and I think in that the subsequent session that this is kind of like the internet where like you oh, need to totally. collaborate to build the platform so that you can build things on top of it yeah that's sure. interesting yes it's still like, with a hint of mystery of like how is it going to work <laughs> yes yeah and like the question is who's going to do that who's going to leave that and like in who's like economically, who's going to invest in that yes. and why? And and then the standards around that. And then framing the opportunity to others that like, oh, once we have this something in common, then we can do X, Y, Z. That still to me feels very yes. out of, a little bit out of reach. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought up investment because uh, one thing I did not get to talk about is I feel like for our industry specifically, building material reuse, we are now at the precipice of trying to pool our collective resources through Build Reuse yes. and gather our data together to be able to demonstrate for the first time for our industry what our current collective impact is in terms uh, of carbon, yep. in terms of yep. economics, how much money are we saving yeah. individuals, businesses, nonprofits across the United States, how many jobs are we creating yep. as an industry? and then be able to demonstrate, okay, these are where we need to pull the levers to be able to scale. Yes. And this is the potential impact that our industry could have. Yes. I feel like that's a critical piece that has been missing yeah. for us for a long time. Yeah, it's the, the common collection of that, that information to present to everyone. It's, it's, just, yes, it's yeah. not known. So yeah. the, the scale of opportunity is not understood. Yes. Mm. And that makes sense too, because like our linear economy, right, is very one way. But I almost think of, I know there was like mention of semicircles, right? Like there's the linear economy is actually like halfway around and the circular economy closes that loop. And so all of the opportunity on the reverse side of when something goes out the door is totally unknown. And you're totally right. And you were talking about, you know, industry associations. Historically, like those groups have come together to sell, sell, sell. And so what you're doing with Build Reuse is closing that circle and industry associations, economic opportunity jobs on that backside. But yes. it's like it's the dark side of the moon, right? You just don't know what's I, there. That's a great point, because I think that's where from a from you all coming together, you can show someone in Pittsburgh oh, this is what we've done in Atlanta. And, and, and the one-to-one -one is fairly consistent of saying, this is how we pushed this, this is what we did, this is what we saw, so that many legislators across the country or whoever other stakeholders are involved can be like, yes, okay, we understand that this is going on in this part of the country, we wanna replicate that here. Well, I have a question for you because I was super inspired. I didn't know too much about the lives like though. And I was like, I don't think that there's one of these in New Jersey where I'm from. And I was like, you know, as a person from there, like, what could I do to get your message out and to maybe inspire some people in my community to start a center yeah. or to start taking action or talk to our mayor or, you know, like, what are the things that the tools that I might have as a citizen? Yeah, you teed this up perfectly. <laughs> 
Um, so I talked about the workforce development program that we're working on in Atlanta. Yeah. Well, that we're also partnering with Build Reuse on. So another aspect of that project is a reuse for communities toolkit. Ooh. Oh, excellent. There we go. Um, so this is through an EPA um, job training grant uh, oh, that we got excellent. a couple of years ago. And basically that is what we are working with Build Reuse to create. Um, and so we're going to pick a handful of cities. We just started, uh, we had two interns from Georgia Tech start with us this week. that are going to be working with Build Reuse to gather information from these organizations across the U.S and basically figure out what's been working, what, where are the pinch points, you yes. know, where are the struggles and challenges, and put together this uh, resource so that communities, individuals, you know, entrepreneurs yeah. have more resources available to them yeah. so that they can actually start this in their own backyard. Yeah. So, so stay tuned. Yeah, how long will that take? Uh, we have to deliver this next year. Um, so we have to have everything complete by second quarter of okay. uh, 2023. So, so stay tuned. Uh, I don't think we could have ended it any better, but any takeaway thoughts here from, yes, oh, perfect. Takeaway thoughts, let's start with Shannon. Um, so I did not have a chance to talk about something that I was kind of yearning for yeah. in the conference. And admittedly, I am a little biased. My background is in architecture. Excellent. Yes, of course. I, so we've had some exciting conversations. I want to see what happens to the possible you know, integration of you know, nanotechnology or whatever the you know, tactics are into. I want to see like some pilots with... Yes you know, a project that's being deconstructed and you begin to trace, yes, you, you know, exactly. you have this ability to track where those materials go and, and what their new lives Ex become, the, right? The provenance of those items, yes. However, as a recovering architect, <laughs> I also, I felt like I didn't hear really any conversation about the decisions and the processes that go into design Absolutely. from the get-go that facilitates greater reuse on the back end. So design for deconstruction, disassembly. I'd like to see some more architects yes, here, yes. right? Contractors, construction yep, companies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, that level of innovation so that it's not just what happens on the back end. Let's, how can we make the process of building, designing and building structures more intentional yep. and totally in sync with what we know can happen on the back end? What, if you've got this on the tip of your tongue, that'd be awesome, mm -hmm. of what are some of those simple decisions? I, I know limitedly, like essentially uh, not using as many adhesives maybe, or some, is that, uh, that seems simple. Is there anything else too that is sort of of a recommendation? Uh, sure. Um, well, durability. Okay, got it. So yes, <laughs> would be another. You know, yes. which we we've had a lot of conversations at the yes. conference about yes. that, right? You you do want to make sure that you are selecting and you know uh, combining materials in such a way that you know they're not going to deteriorate unnecessarily quickly. Um, so material choice is obviously huge. Yes. Uh, you know, embodied carbon goes into that. So there's a lot of synergy. The Candida building that we were talking about before is an excellent example of that. There's a lot of synergy between material choices and embodied carbon and, you know, connections, like yes. physical, how yes. those physical connections are designed to facilitate uh, disassembly at the end of that current cycle. So those are all Those are all in there, all considerations. <laughs> you had those ready to go.
Any takeaways last minute? Um, I also felt like there was an absence of conversation about reuse. I think oh. it wasn't it wasn't that strong. Right. Of, totally. Yes. The theme. It was like plastic and repair. A little heavy on the recycling. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. And um, I kind of wish, like, as a, I, I don't know if I would call myself like a reuse practitioner. I don't use my hands, but you know, as a tool builder for a, a world of reuse, I kind of wish to connect with others more on that topic. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think like post COVID personally, like I felt very happy and energized to be around other people in circularity. I think sitting behind the screen feels isolated in the world in which we are like seeking to connect, right? Like we need to be interacting more to get kind of like those accelerated pathways to progress. Uh, and so that felt really good. I'm like happy that I got to join and that the conversations are what they are. And hopefully we have more of them next year. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it was, yeah, to that point, it was fun to be in a panel um, where you might hear somebody talk about reuse or someone talks about reuse in the room and then there would be like random whoops for like, yeah, reuse. And it's like, okay, then there's, that's clearly a sign that's like, I mean, we're not talking about it enough because people are like so excited to like exclaim reuse. Yeah, exactly. Experience that at your booth. Yes, yes. No, so it was, it was. So I know we're going to get some shots of the booth um, going so you all can see what we were doing, but Thank you both for joining. Um, We've had a wonderful time here at Circularity. Thanks again for listening. If you do have any questions, please reach out to us at podcast at reapley.com. And as always, again, look forward to seeing you or hearing you next time. Uh, Thank you so much for listening.